The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are watching Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am joined by Evan and Elisa. Hi, guys. Hi. Oh, hey. Hello. Oh, so good to see you. Over the moon to see you, as always. We got a lot of great stuff to talk about. We have a lot of topics to talk about, but I kind of want to go out of left field with something. Just because it just it just went across my Twitter feed right before we started, and it's apropos of nothing, and it's probably like a kind of a weird conversation for us to get into because it's sort of political. But I'm just okay. gonna say this real quick. I'm just gonna like drop this here, and then we can move on to other proceedings. But the personal is political. Let me just say, I had no idea people cared so damn much about Dr. Seuss's back catalog. Mm? Thank you. I mean. <laughs> Like, I, I loved me some Seuss as much as the next guy. I read all of them. But honest to God, when they said the books that were being banned or whatever, I I mean, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. Like, I had no idea Seuss had some serious fans of his deep cuts, man. <laughs> credit where credit is due. Like seasides. <laughs> like, all and about, that's... people all about Miguelliot's pool. <laughs> and, and on beyond zebra people will not countenance Whoa. a world without on beyond zebra in it like man no one's coming after green eggs and ham oh the places you go still in your library it's all good anyway <laughs> nope evan doesn't want to touch it nope nope all i'm saying is i'm trying to get a reprint of the i'm, I'm not i'm not even going to mention it but apparently he he has had previous a uh, uh, lewd work uh, that is no longer in print that I would rather potentially check out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How lewd, though? This is still Dr. Seuss. Yeah. I mean, think about oh, how, how about this? Let's uncancel that. No, well, well, well I'm saying, you know, how, how lewd could Dr. Seuss get? Just think of a Disney animator. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Come on. Drawing dicks under the cover of My Little Mermaid. And if you have the power, Mermaid? why not use it to draw? <laughs> yeah. oh, and with that, we have a lot of great stuff to talk about <laughs> that are not uh, related to uh, children's book articles that are children's book authors that made our childhood ma magical and might have been an eensy bit racist. We I have other great stuff, too. Gal, I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. uh, he knew I where like, the sidewalk like ended, and it did not end with problematic depictions of Asians. I prefer coloring books. <laughs> Our guest this week, a true friend of Break the Business, love having her on. She actually guest hosted the show once, and every time we have her on, I learn so much from her. Katie Zaccardi is going to be joining us. She's a terrific musician. She's an artist coach. She's the host of the Out to Be podcast, which is all about helping musicians build sustainable careers, keeping track of their mental health, not falling apart while creating stuff and yeah obviously all the creators on this yeah. show have that figured out so we're not going to learn anything up. from katie zaccardi 
<laughs> yeah, she's all about the self-care. We can certainly use self-care. Speaking of self-care, I almost forgot. We have to bring this up. So quick story for you guys. All right. Uh, Lauren, the producer, texted me right before uh, the show came on. And I'm just going to read this text on the air. Okay. okay. I'm just going to read it. She wrote, she wrote and by the way, these are the kind of texts I want to get. The kind of texts I don't want to get have to do with like lawyer deadlines and court hearings I have to go to. These are the texts that Ryan likes. Quote, I am rescuing some baby duckies until I can find them a new home. Any interest in having me set up a duckling cam tonight? And as we saw from the intro to the show, there they are. Uh, and they're back. The duckling cam. I mean, we don't even need Katie Zaccardi, right? That's all the self-care you need right there. Look at you those precious need, little guys. You don't need me or you. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Are you not entertained? Over. My goodness. They are, and by the way, like they must know that they're getting started in show business right now because they've been playing to the camera ever since that camera's been on them. They were asleep before you switched to the wide. Now they're they're frisking in and going to town. Yeah, all the more reason why all the <laughs> folks listening to the podcast right now check out the live stream from time to time. You're missing out on some pretty good uh, ducky goodness here. All right, so let's we'll we'll keep the ducks around. We're gonna have them periodically make appearances throughout the show. Uh, Elisa is uh, mime petting them as we speak. <laughs> Look so at, cute. Oh my goodness! Oh, little foot. All right. Okay. Sorry. Let's compose ourselves. All right. To to business at hand. A uh, lot of great stuff to talk about. I want to start with a report in music business worldwide. Uh, they do their annual report uh, where they basically analyze the data that comes out from the RIAA, the Recording Industry Association of America, about global recorded music industry revenues. Because every year that this uh, release comes out, every year that the RIAA says, here's how we did this year, I always think back to something that my old entertainment law professor told me. Uh, sort of this central idea of what we think the music industry was going to be. Obviously, late late 20th, early 21st century is the peak of the recorded music industry, right? Like 1999 was basically the peak in terms of recorded music industry revenues. Albums were still a thing. Virgin Megastore was still a thing. Oh. Sam Goody was still a thing. People actually bought wow. recorded music in $20 bursts in the form of these things called albums that I, I guess is sort of a word that people know. I don't know. On a compact disc. And then, you know, Napster showed up and LimeWire showed up and iTunes showed up. And that was the end of sort of the heyday of the music industry. But all the while, I remember I had a professor in law school who told me one day, one day the day will come where the music industry will fully adapt to streaming and downloading, and we will replace the revenues that we lost from 1999, that the marketplace was going to fully adapt streaming and downloading, and we were going to make up everything we lost from the days of Sam Goody and Virgin Megastore. And so ever since he said that— Give me a timeline on that. Yeah, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's good that you bring that up. Every year since he said that, I check when this music industry revenue report comes out. You know, I want to see how's my professor doing with this prediction. And so far, we haven't gotten there yet. But to my professor's credit, recorded music industry revenues for the last 10 years have been slowly growing. They haven't been to what they were in 1999, but there is upward trajectory. 
And this year is no exception. So revenues in the recorded music industry up 9.2%, up to just about $12 billion. And uh, all forms of music streaming revenues are growing, uh, whether it's ad-supported, subscription-based, all of that's growing. There is growth. More people are subscribing. More people are listening to music via streaming. Hopefully, we're on our way back to partying like it's 1999 again. Except, here's the problem. For the first time in five years, recorded music industry revenues are suffering a decreasing increase in growth rate. So, growth in revenues is decreasing. So, it's growing, but not as much as it did previously. So, last year, the the revenues grew about 10 to 11%. This year, it grew 9%, and uh, it, the 9% growth rate that it had is the lowest rate of growth in five years. And what business will, you know, a, a basic principle of business is generally when, a, you know, what you want to see in a growing company is not just growth, but increase in the growth rate. You want to see that exponential curve. You don't want decreasing growth because that suggests that while it's growing, we might be hitting sort of a... Uh, yeah, it's leveling off. The top of the curve, the plateau. And so that might suggest that we're, you know, so if th- what this data suggests is that for the first time, we might be seeing the ceiling on the recorded music industry. And that ceiling ain't 1999. And that's better. I had a, a music industry uh, teacher who once told me this is post iPod, but pre iPhone, told me that paying for ringtones is the future of the music industry. <laughs> and I looked him in the face. I told him in class in front of 180 people, like, yeah, but don't you think like Apple's going to put out a phone next year or something and your ringtone can just be whatever? And he's like, that's never going to happen in a year later, a year later. Now, to your professor's going to brag for a second. Sorry. (laughs) To your professor's credit, (laughs) he wasn't the only one who thought that ringtones of course not. stupid yeah. god-awful ringtones were gonna save the music business oh people aren't buying albums anymore and we're <laughs> and we are and we are and we are burning record stores like spec music to the ground and the tech companies are eating the industry's lunch but ringtones are gonna save us in fact we were so sure ringtones were gonna be the next big thing in the industry i remember there was a hot minute on in billboard magazine from like 04 to 05 where they actually had a separate ringtones chart Oh, yes. wow. Like an artist could be like, I'm number four on ringtones. I'm pretty sure if we just like, you know, had the ducks squeaking for five seconds, record that, put it out as a ringtone, we're going to get a top 10 hit on that chart. I kind of want you to pull up that chart. I want to know what was number one. Alicia's doing it. No, no, just like what, what, the, what the number one. The number uh, one <laughs> ringtone. Can we? It's clearly the thong song, right? Like I don't. <laughs> Can can we deputize somebody on that? Maybe Lauren. All right, Lauren's thumbs up. Oh, yeah. She's looking up. She's gonna give us right. some data on what the top uh, oh, ringtone. Yes. I guess this would have been Lauren like 0405, in case you're wondering. Delicious. If you're looking for like a, a nice reference year for when Billboard was ridiculous mm. enough to think that people cared about what was charting on the ringtones chart. All right, mm. but so it's not 1999. That's the point. And, and it doesn't seem like recorded music industry revenues are going to bring us back to the, the, the peak. And here's how bad the situation is. Okay. In 2020, the global recorded music industry revenues were, are currently just 83% of what they were in 1999. And that is not, not, not adjusted, adjusted for inflation. For inflation. 
Oh, no. Oh, did you want me to adjust it for inflation? Hang on. Let me do my beep, boop, boop, Ooh. beep, boop, boop, boop. It's about 53% of what it was in 1999. So the recorded music industry, which, which your professor thought was going to be saved by ringtones, is half of what it <laughs> hey, was. Hey, hey, hey. He was also your professor. <laughs> I didn't we'll want talk to admit about that. I was I was hoping that you could uh, s- completely take the bullet for that one. I love that guy. We're not going to mock that professor. I love that guy's that guy. great. He's smart about everything else. He's just really, really wrong. Can I tell you a story about that professor? Here we go. With, with, without revealing names, I got so, a beverage. College Does it involve Ryan, Grammy voting. Yeah, this won't come as a surprise. What? Uh, <laughs> I remember. This won't come as a surprise to anybody who knows me or listens to this podcast. I was a bit of a talker in college, especially in college classes. It didn't matter that there could be 100 people in that class. I'm going to freaking contribute because I, for some reason, thought back then that what I had to say matters. And obviously, now I've, I've shed that belief and, and are much more quiet. But back then, oh, was I a pain in the butt. And so, and, and I was certainly that way in this music business class with 90-something people in it with this professor. And so anyway, so that class was, when did we take that class, Evan? Like 10, 12 years ago, more than that? 2006. Yeah. So, oh my Five, God, that's, that's sad. That's upsetting. You, you upsetted me just now by telling me how long ago that was. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, there it is. <gasps> oh, here we go. Oh, okay. Hold on a, so for hold podcast on, listeners, stretch. Lauren just pulled up the top 10 polyphonic <laughs> ringtones <laughs> from 05. I, this, this chart is bonkers. So. Okay, some of I like the, number three a lot. Though. Yeah, some what of the takeaways from the don't wait, don't spoil it. Like, let's what a time capsule yeah, this mean, is. I mean, let like don't you know? Let's let you know. Let's a little bit of foreplay here. Okay, this is this is like we have to release this time release. Okay, so obviously, a couple great takeaways: the fact that Fifty Cent is on this chart twice <laughs> with the number yes. one and number four ringtone. Um, and now, Evan, sorry, I didn't want to jump on your thing. Tell us about what is number three on the chart. The full 99 cent ringtone. Number three is Super Mario Brothers with an exclamation point. This is game theme. Game theme. <laughs> Beating I mean, out, that's... like, 50 Cent is number four, Snoop Dogg, number five, Yin Yang Twins, number six. They're good. They're doing great. They're not Super Mario Brothers 1983 game theme good. 85, I think? 85. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to knock this, though. Like, this chart is just one banger after another. I mean... Candy Shop, Lovers and Friends with Lil Jon. Uh, the movie right theme in, from Halloween? Right yeah. into the Halloween theme, going into Gold Digger by Kanye West and We Belong Together by Mariah Carey. I mean, mm. that's, a, that's a jog right there. That gets me from that gets me around the block on a jog, and I had a pretty good time it, with it. But it doesn't because they're just ringtones, so it's only like eight or maybe 16 <laughs> bars of each one of these Okay, tunes. maybe it's a 100-meter dash then. <laughs> but if this person <laughs> is being very awesome, you just assign each ringtone to a different person, mm. you know. That's mm. Make sure his friends call him in order, too, because you don't want to get bucks. the order wrong. It's 10 whole bucks. I definitely want We Belong Together by Mariah Carey. She's a national That's treasure. That's fair. Freaking love her. Anyway, so wait, the story about the <laughs> professor. So this, so 15 years ago, we had this class. Smash cut to like a few, about a year ago. I'm walking with a colleague of mine down the hallways of the music school of the University of Miami, and we see that professor on the other side of the hall. And I just whisper to him, 
if he knows my, like, I'm going to go introduce myself to that professor. If he remembers my name, that will tell you how much of a pain in the ass I was that he remembers me 15 years later from how annoying I must have been in that class. Sure enough, oh, we walked wait. down. Sorry, because I was, sorry, I, I want to just put this in some context because I had a ton <laughs> of classes with him, but the classes that you had with him were like 150, yes, 180 massive lecture, lecture hall rooms. Home. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. And so, yeah, yeah that, that's the context. So, like, obviously, if he were to remember me, that would suggest that I was annoyingly distinctive in that class. Sure enough, I walked down the hall, Ryan Corella. <laughs> like, oh, boy. Yeah. So, I mean, you got an A, though, right? I mean, did, like, I mean yeah. But like, I don't think you could do less than that. I mean, just, <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't a uh, an academically rigorous uh, no. class but it was really fun because i got to hang out with you the whole time that was a fun class that's true and i think there were even some classes where like elisa popped in and like she didn't even go to our school no no i didn't even go i was you know i was i was doing a reverse mary had a little lamb and following him to school one day <laughs> and apparently it was not against the rules so I'm... she actually sang in one of my ensembles once. i did yeah, in your did. music when? school yeah she just like she would pop into <laughs> she would pop into R and B ensemble and, and uh, the teacher Chuck was the bad. He's like, hey, come oh, up and sing. Oh, I love Chucky. Chuck That's me. Awesome. Oh, I miss Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even go to that school. <laughs> she didn't even, I wanted to though. I got go in. To our school. <laughs> I got in. Oh, a commenter writes like... in shout out to Ryan's amazing suit. Um, hey. This amazing suit is brought to you by um, my wife's fashion sense and me being too lazy to button a shirt. So. Um, that's why there's just t-shirts. That's underneath. why you wear suits. Oh man, I've been well, doing it wrong. Well, suits time. over like a t-shirt. Like I'm going to the club after this. All right. Or before we uh, before we go to break and bring in Katie Zaccardi for what I'm sure is going to be a pretty awesome interview, uh, I want to try a new segment here on the show. Oh. I, um, we we love to talk about pop culture on this show. It's our our favorite thing uh, when we. When we're not talking about just the complete destruction of the industry in which we operate, we like to talk about <laughs> pop culture. And I figured instead of sort of identifying like specific topics that we can go into and kind of being stuck in a box there, Elisa had an excellent idea of we should just sort of do like a recurring segment where we just talk about what all of us are watching or what all of us are playing and then use that as a, a jumping off point to talk about popular culture. So in that regard, let's let's do it, man. Uh, Elisa, <laughs> what are you watching? What are you playing? What's on the top of your mind right now? First off, thank you so much for giving a lady credit for her idea on Women's History Month. Thank you very much for doing that. Appreciate it. Uh, it's so rare. Um, <laughs> it's just, oh, thank you. Um, but yes, yeah, so I like to um, bounce back and forth between a bunch of stuff. Um, but lately, Evan has actually gotten me into this, and sorry if I'm stealing your gig, but um, there's a game, by the way, Xbox Game Pass, one of the best deals in all of gaming, yeah. by the way. Yep. Uh, Game Pass Ultimate is fantastic. And I've actually gone through and downloaded a couple of things that were just on Game Pass and discovered games that I didn't think that I would enjoy. Um, so I the first Hitman is, mm. is on Game Pass. Good Because game. Hitman 3 just came out. And so I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. And I'm sort of like, on a scale of like zero to slapstick, like how silly can I get in this game? Because for those folks that are unfamiliar with Hitman, you basically are an awesome assassin. You get a contract and you have a couple of targets and you have to go get them. And then they place you in a situation and you have to figure out using all of this stuff and the elements and tools at your disposal 
to to try and take these folks out. And it's it's it is it's dense. Uh, yeah, it is it is less um, you know, really cool, awesome shooters. You know, it's it's less James Bond that I'm doing here and more like, you know, Mr. Bean in a spy suit. <laughs> it is kind of the way that I end up playing this game. And it's uh and it's great. And I can't wait to revisit. I'm on the very last level of the first Hitman. If um, it's the original like, Hitman, exactly. I'm guessing the graphics can't really be that realistic. So oh, no, you no, must no, no, feel no. like you're just shooting polygons, right? No. No. No, 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 no. It's it's Hitman one in the sense that there is another a newer trilogy. Yes. So they just oh. put out Hitman three in the new trilogy. In the new so trilogy. It's only four or five years yes. old or something like that <laughs> the commenter yes. writes in it's like burn notice except you keep your job and your hair <laughs> um of, of, of which there is none if you are agent 47 that's about to say yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 so much fun and at first i was like i'm i i ryan as you pointed out being a talker i i too am a former burnout uh you know gifted kid um <laughs> who who is not a fan of failure and so i was like <laughs> If this game is going to be too difficult, then I'm I'm not going to have a good time. But it, you could do just the silliest, just the silliest things in this game, and it's so much fun. You can murder your targets with a soup can. I mean, yeah, it's always you just throw. You could throw apples, cans of soup at people. Like it's 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 great. You always struck <laughs> me as having somewhat of a cozy gamer streak. Elisa, I mean, like the Animal Crossing and things like you know that kind of oh. stuff. Like oh, you, know, you don't mind totally. killing and shooting. Oh, 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 hun. I cut my teeth on Carmageddon and Doom and Duke Nukem 3D, baby. I sold Bulletstorm full clip edition for a gig. And that was some of the most fun I ever had in my life. It explains but yes, a lot. I also enjoy games like Animal Crossing. It's really, really fun. I like long and boring games. Yeah. I spent probably four hours today playing Flight Simulator 2020. Wow. Oh, yeah. You're Yo, one of those people. I am. I've always been one of those people. And I went back and watched like a history of flight sim video on YouTube. And it's like, yep, had that one. That one came out like 89. I can't even tell that's a plane, but I'm flying it for sure. No, the new one is so good. Um, I don't even have a, a joystick anymore. I had to get rid of it because it was broken. I've been playing on an Xbox controller on the PC. But that game is incredible. And I'm learning all kinds of things that I'm probably never going to get to use unless I'm a millionaire <laughs> and I can buy a plane. But I can do ILS land landings into, D into Dubai. No problem. Like It's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's the really kinds cool. of things that I'm learning that have no practical application. Yeah. Which is kind of how I how I spent my life. Commenter writes in: Are we going to see a comeback of the band name segment? Wow. I love band name ideas. I I love where your head's at. Commenter, send mm. us some band idea pictures. We will yeah. We will bring it back. Uh, absolutely. I I mean that segment was a huge hit for the five percent of the uh, folks who actually watch this podcast instead of listen to it. But absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so Evan, like, how engrossed are you in flight simulator world? Because like, I see these YouTube videos where it's like a whole bunch of people, and they're all like listening to some guy who's on the control tower, and it's really hilarious. Are you like in that? Are you deep in? So I'm not. I'm not talking to live air traffic controllers. That is usually a paid service, um, and I don't have any money. So there is uh, air traffic control built into the game. But the the fun thing for me is just figuring out. Oh, I know how to operate a Garmin 3000 uh, GPS. Um, all the glass cockpit electronics inside of a plane. And I had a problem trying to figure out something in the sim. So I just Googled the manual 
and looked it up and answered the question. The, the sim has gotten so good that I don't need to figure out the answer in the sim. I can just go to the real Read life. the wow. actual, actual manual, manual for the thing that exists IRL. And it's mean, still glitchy and it's still broken to its own extent, but it's it's absurd how how good this has gotten. They're not joking it, with the flight simulator. No. I, I, I will ask because we, we, we have a friend. Oh, yes. Who has a plane. My buddy Leland just bought a, a, another plane. He had to sell his last one. He just bought another one today. If for whatever reason he, I don't know, he had like a bad, whoa-oh, you know, Taco Bell emergency. Could you like fly the thing? Absolutely. Oh, I, my God. I am confident. No, and that the funny thing is like if you tell that to a real pilot, they're going to laugh at you. I've never flown a plane. The feel is totally different from the <laughs> simulator, but I know how it all works. And if it was a, if a gun to my head, could I land it? Yep. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Definitely can. Ain't gonna look pretty, but I can do it. <laughs> so both of you ought to be ashamed of yourselves because I'm asking you what you guys are playing and what are you guys throwing at me? A bunch of games that are like a decade old. Not like me, <laughs> who's been obsessed recently and replaying Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. <laughs> what is wrong with us? Why, like, we're all playing the play? old games. Yeah, but you're playing into your own stereotype, right? I know. Are you learning anything? I mean, kinda. Look, we play Rocksmith. We have no room to talk. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Phoenix Wright, much like how I imagine playing, you know, some like flight simulator might be frustrating if you're a pilot, except that game's actually pretty realistic. So maybe that's a bad example. Uh, there are a few things more frustrating than playing Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney as a practicing attorney. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, so just to explain how this game is, it is like super almost horrifically like dr seuss would have made this game japanese like just really stereotypical kind of anime sort of game and you are an attorney and but you live in like this really weird uh, world where like the bill of rights doesn't exist and um you know trials happen like in two days and you have to do your own detective work as the attorney and like the Fifth Amendment isn't a thing, so the prosecution can make your client, your defendant client, testify against himself, and hearsay just doesn't exist. And you know, but uh, it's but it's such a like it's it's so ridiculous. And as an attorney, if you can just like tamp down all of your legal training and you know the degree that you had to pay way too much money for, there is something really satisfying about watching you know this sick you know thirty two bit character like just shout the word objection and like point with like, yeah. And by the way, because, because this game is like, cause it's like, you know, the sort of a stereotypical Japanese game, like you're all the characters are like super ripped um, except for the female characters, which are, um, which are like almost unhealthily stacked. Yeah. Um, and just like completely unrealistic body proportions. Like, like you could write a whole dissertation, Elisa, about how troubling oh. the characters are depicted in this game. But like, just like, to watch him sort of, uh, you know, point and just go, objection, and it's so satisfying. And, I mean, it's just a silly point-and-click game, but I'm probably going to keep playing it just because uh, you, you get super into the, the, to the silliness of it. Uh, okay. I guess you don't get to have any fun, like, in an actual courtroom, huh? No, I mean, <laughs> so it's nice to oh, just throw a chair every once in a while. That's absolutely true. <laughs> Believe, oh, I absolutely have Sam Waterston Law & Order Envy, like, because I'm not a trial lawyer. I... If I ever set foot in a courtroom, I've done something really wrong, and I'm probably in handcuffs. I'm a transactional lawyer, so I don't get to go to court. I've, I've done one hearing in my whole life. It was a five-minute hearing. I lost. I'm never doing it again. And so, yeah, I absolutely get to sort of live out 
you know, my my crazy attorney trial fantasies through this video game. Um, absolutely. All right. Well, then it's successful, I suppose. Yeah. But it's so completely ridiculous. All right. Oh, a commenter asks, what's the Fifth Amendment about? Yeah, that's uh, you can't testify against yourself. You can't be forced to testify against yourself, I should say. Mm-hmm. And in this game, that doesn't exist. So the prosecution's like, I'm calling your defendant to the stand. You're like, what? Come on. <laughs> um, I object. I object. No. Yeah. But the, the, you can't push the objection button for that, apparently. Oh. <laughs> Katie Zaccardi coming up next. Thanks for watching Break the Business. Don't go anywhere. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Our guest on the program is one of my favorite humans in the entertainment industry. Love talking to this person. She is wonderful. She's a musician, a professional coach, and the host of the Out to Be podcast. She has devoted her career to creator wellness and helping artists have sustainable work in the entertainment industry. So who doesn't love that? Let's talk to our guest, Katie Zaccardi, here on Break the Business. Hi, Katie. Hi, Ryan. I'm blushing after that intro. <laughs> I love being on this podcast. It's so much fun every time. Well, how do you like the visual component, which has now been added since you've been on the show? Are you loving the stream? Is this working for I you? I am. Yeah, this is so cool. I've used StreamYard before over like the quarantine period. I did a couple um, virtual cabarets, which was really just fun, like musical theater stuff. Um, <laughs> just totally nerding out for me. Um, and I love the platform. I think this is so good for a podcast. Now we need to hear more about the musical cabarets. Right. <laughs> Break this down for us. What are because I, I I I like you are just learning about StreamYard here in quarantine and yeah. want to know all the ways that creators like you are using it to entertain people. What does one encounter in a cabaret on StreamYard? So one of my clients actually put this together, and she's a vocal coach. And when 
I think the first one she did was like in like March or April of last year at the beginning to, especially to like raise funds for people who were recently out of work. Um, And she ended up doing three of them, but she basically just put together a group of performers to sing. And so the first one was a little bit more general where everyone just sang two songs from a show. You kind of picked it. Um, The one in June, I think was similar. And then in October we did one that was, mean girls slash halloween themed and that was really fun so i sang the song sexy from mean girls the musical and i sang like um some avril lavigne so we really like took it back to 2003 and really just like embodied some musical theater and pop uh very on brand for what we were (laughs) what you guys were talking about earlier with like the ringtones just like getting into that vibe (laughs) um but yeah it was a great way to just number one For me, like, it was really just fun. But get performers performing again, since people weren't really able to do that, and to raise money uh, for the people who were performing in it and for causes as well. So it was really fun. We used StreamYard to do it. That's lovely. It's so great to hear about how creators are using these new platforms, finding new ways to not just entertain people, but also it sounds like from what you're saying, to craft a sense of community among uh, performers, keeping you guys together, keeping you guys working with each other. Gotta love everything about that. Katie, one of the reasons why I like having you on, and I think particularly with what everybody's going through right now, it's all the more appropriate, is your expertise in helping creators build sustainable music careers, embracing wellness, practicing self-care. As we were saying before you came in, obviously everybody on this stream right now, all your co-hosts, we're all experts and have no problems with our wellness. We are so sustainable and never have ever uh, had any issues. Um, but you know, there might be others out there who, who could use a little help. Yeah, bring back the ducks. Yeah, there we go. So we're good. This is our self care, by the way. We have uh, this duck cam. Uh, oh my god! Our producer is currently taking care of ducks. In fact, not that oh we want to upstage gosh. Katie, but can we put the ducks in the lead spot there? Because <laughs> it's, I mean, not that you're not wonderful, Katie, you're one of my favorite people in the industry, but I mean, how can any of us beat ducks right now? They're um, so cute. Yeah. This oh is our gosh. self-care. I should we- get my puppy in here. I think maybe he could upstage them, but it would be a, it would be a lot of chaos if I did that. It's a cute <laughs> off. It's a cute off. It's going to happen. All right. That's all. Okay. So, you know, let's keep the ducks. We'll just keep them there for now. Just, <laughs> just the th- they're wonderful. They're making me happy. And while the ducks are hanging out, Katie, let me ask you more about uh, artist wellness, musician wellness, uh, particularly with what's going on right now in the pandemic. What is a yeah. wellness problem that you se- you tend to see creators having the most right now? So I think the biggest thing that's happening right now, and I should also mention that I started off purely as a wellness coach, and now I'm doing more just like overall business coaching, which includes a very holistic approach of mindset and wellness. The number one thing that holds people back right now is scarcity. So feeling scarcity of money and time and scarcity of time is usually because of scarcity of money. So you want to get things done faster so that you have money in your pocket. And it totally makes sense given everything that we've experienced in this last year. However, it can breed a lot of burnout because it leads you to just like hustle, 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 neglect your sanity, and also get into this really negative mind space where you're kind of operating from a place of desperation and from a place of pushing and forcing. And when you kind of put all of that together of uh, negative mindset, spending all of your hours working and just trying um, desperately to make something happen, it kind of is not 
it's a recipe for disaster. I'll just put it that way. Teresa's going <laughs> to suffer a neck injury from all the knowledge. I, I, I can confirm the thing that Katie's talking about absolutely doesn't doesn't yeah. doesn't help anything. That yeah, that sound you're hearing, yeah. listeners, is our home being hit. <laughs> sure, man, because it hit home. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in this picture and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Well, I mean, and it's nothing to like be ashamed of, but it is a reality that so many people are facing right now. But I also just want to bring to light that you have the control to change it. Right. Like, and, and a lot of my clients recently have been struggling too with the idea of like, well, if I'm taking on a side hustle or if I'm working on like my music or like my voice teaching business or my coaching business to bring in money so that I can literally survive, but also so that I can support my career as a musician, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my musicianship and I'm going to kind of stop creating or stop doing what I really want to do. And so the number one thing for me here is that you have the control, whether your mindset feels like it's getting away from you, whether you feel like you're in scarcity and you can't make money, or you're just afraid that you're going to get away from the things that you love you have the control and you get to take control of the situation and make it a positive one as opposed to one that feels kind of gross and icky for you. To the extent that what a lot of creators might be suffering from, at least partially, is a problem of mindset. How does one get their mindset back into the right place, especially with all the distractions and all the challenges that an artist is facing? How do you get sort of your mind right? Yeah, such a good question. The first part of it is really acknowledging as with many things that you want to overcome you have to acknowledge that it's happening so noticing your thoughts like if you feel like you are in a really uh negative space which can affect you physically like if you're feeling physically tired or physically unwell or you're noticing that anytime you see a social media post or an email you just get frustrated or angry or you start to doubt or you get nervous or you have anxiety right like any bodily things that are coming up or actual thoughts that are coming by, observe it, notice what's happening, maybe even write it down and just start to take, uh, take stock and notice, all right, this is what happened. This is what triggered it. And this is what thought or, or feeling uh, came up for me. You'll start to notice patterns and then be able to work through the actual thoughts and feelings that are coming up as well as notice the triggers that are causing them and be able to maybe set boundaries there or uh, work through the the triggers in any way that you need possible. I'm obviously biased, and I think that getting a coach or having some sort of support is also a great way to work through it, because I personally am a very verbal processor. So having someone that you can just speak these to and work through it with is a great way to overcome things a little bit faster and speed up the process. But journaling, um, even like sending voice noting and working through things like on, on your phone, those are all great ways to get started with it. Alisa, you're a pretty, uh, vibrant journaler with this stuff. Does that, yeah. does, does that, this is, this is <laughs> for, for, for those that, that, that have the benefit of listening or of watching on uh, Twitch and YouTube and Facebook, uh, we like to put my Ikea cart of journaling supplies behind me at all times because it's aesthetic. Wow. Markers. There is a whole journaling set markers, there. And we have stickers, and it's in different <laughs> folders, and they're organized by type. I love that. <laughs> and I have two journals. I have, like, my regular planning journal, you know, where I get the nitty-gritty done, you know, workout content ideas. And then I have my songwriting slash I'm just going to yell out all my feelings, 
which then could turn into songs. So it's all, you know, compressed in one book. So yeah, I, <laughs> I got two dreams. I have one too. It says, I don't know if I can curse. So I'm just going to block yeah. that out. No, Business. no, we, we got to see the curse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I got this in Vermont and I love it. And then I have like I, all my stuff's here. I have this gratitude journal yes. that my one coach gifted to me. And it um, basically has you write out like, today I'm grateful for, and here's are the goals I'm working towards. And I think gratitude is a really good practice as well when you're feeling negative to kind of get back into the things that are going well for you. And even though it might not feel like anything's going well with for you, just noticing the things that you're grateful for can help to reframe your brain because really that's what a lot of this is now obviously if you're experiencing some sort of trauma or trauma response that's when you want to go see a therapist who can help you through that but a lot of what we're experiencing is just stress and change and you know a, a natural reaction to feeling like I'm not sure what's going to happen and there's a lot of uncertainty and I'm afraid that I'm not going to have the money or resources I need to get through this because things have changed and if that's the case you you have the resources to be able to reframe those thoughts and like rework your mindset to go towards what you're grateful for what is out there for you and really see that potential instead of just focusing on what you don't have or how hard it is to get that. Mm. Katie yeah. I, I would wow. say that, oh. yeah. I'm for, take 30 I'm, minutes and internalize I'm, everything you well, just said. And, 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 because, and because I'm a teacher, practical example, something that I had to do kind of, you know, if, if we want to sort of realtalk.com this, it was changing my mindset from, damn, I can't go out to eat anymore like I used to. We can't go to our favorite restaurant anymore. And instead it's, wow it's kind of cool that we have this challenge now to be able to feed ourselves and be able to like replace those things that we used to eat out. Now we get to like have the experiment of trying to make them at home. And it's sort of that, like, I am grateful that I can cook for myself and feed myself yeah. um, instead of being like, Oh darn, you know, I can't, you know, get that baller meal we used to get like every other month or whatever, you know? Yeah. Little I'm, things. I'm coming for you, Lucia. <laughs> We're going such a practice that's the thing too is that i think a lot of people feel like oh i'm just supposed to sit down and meditate and my mind's supposed to be clear or oh i just need to think positive and there's a difference between the practice of like reframing your thoughts and working through your limiting beliefs beliefs versus just like toxic positivity like yes. it's not it's not just about being like everything's great and everything's fine and like it, it's so good and actually you feel terrible it's actually about no, again, noticing. So like I was on a walk with my dog the other day and I, um, I must've gotten a message or I was just thinking about like, uh, you know, clients, potential client calls that I had had and you know, what's happening. And, um, I sort of just had a thought of like, Ugh, I, I wish it wasn't so hard to get clients or like, I wish this wasn't taking so long. And then I was like, okay, noted. Let me actually see if I can reframe that. And um, one powerful thing I've been doing lately is asking questions. So instead of using just positive affirmations, just saying like, why is it so easy for me to get clients? Or why is it so fun for me to do my job? Like stuff like that, where um, it's kind of like a manifestation technique mm. that I'm trying out to, uh, again, just notice the thoughts. Like I'm still having the thoughts. You're not going to be immune to other thoughts all the time, but see, having the power to say, I notice that that's not serving me. So how can I change the story here and notice that I'm feeling frustrated, but I have the ability to like, let go of the timeline I'm, I'm attached to and trust it's going to work out and 
challenge myself to think about another story here that's of better service to me. Wow. Uh, Katie, I would say that every answer is just she's spinning Smart. gold here. We're just so... Part of me feels like I came in and gave like no context. And now I'm like, here's how you rework your mind. Yeah. But, oh, but no, I think uh, it is really powerful. Like it really is such a mental game we're playing right now because with ever with all the uncertainty, like I think mental wellness is such a big part of wellness. And that's what's hitting us hard, especially after like a year of all of the changes and not knowing when normal is going to be back. So Katie, let me ask you about a wellness issue that is certainly something that existed well before the pandemic was a thing. And how do you raise 17 ducks? Yeah. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) Well, shoot, that was what I was going to ask. No, um, (laughs) a frequent thing that I hear come up with a lot of creators, as well as say this lawyer host is fighting with imposter syndrome. Especially mm-hmm. as you know, especially as musicians today aren't just musicians or not just creators aren't just creators, but now you got to run your own business, you got to learn about marketing, you got to learn about handling money. It's easy to feel like you know I can't do all this. You know I'm not this other person I know online who's so much better. And and I think with social media, the potential for imposter syndrome is magnified because you get to see the real time statistics of other creators and that they have more followers than you and you're only Mm -hmm. seeing them at their best on social media. So it's easy to think, man, they got it all together. When clients come to you having that feeling of imposter syndrome, how do you help them work through it? Yeah. Asking for a friend. (laughs) No, I love this because, and you bring up like, you know, vanity metrics. Like I feel like a big part of where this shows up right now is on social media because it's easy to just swipe through and see how many followers does this person have whatever I went through and I literally removed so many followers from my Instagram and unfollowed so many people this past weekend because I am trying to create more community versus just worry about the metrics and even I get in my head still of being like ah this feels uncomfortable because what are people gonna think when they come to my page and this person has more followers but it is not about anyone else besides you. And it's really easy to get into the game of comparisonitis, but the truth is that you don't know, number one, how long that person has been in the business for or doing what they're doing, what their circumstances are behind the scenes. Like, it's easy to look at the face value of what we're all presenting on social media, but like, you don't know what's in their bank account. You don't know how happy they are. You don't know like what they're going through in the rest of their life. And how the things that you value are maybe different than what they value. So it's, it's really just like checking in with yourself and acknowledging what are my priorities? What is it that I am trying to accomplish? I know that a lot of imposter syndrome will come up with my clients when they're working on a specific goal and they see someone else doing a totally different goal, but having success in that. (laughs) And they compare themselves like, like maybe an, a client is working on an album and they see someone getting a sync and they're like, I don't know why they're, they're having so much success. And I feel like I should be further along. Well, you're not even trying to get your music played. So why are you, you know what I mean? But like, it's easy. It's easy to see other people having success and just feel bad about yourself, but checking in and getting really grounded with what your priorities are and what your goals are and what you're actually working towards. And um, honestly, setting boundaries and like unfollowing or muting people who maybe aren't uh, creating a good environment or are triggering like these kinds of thoughts within you. Like we do sometimes need to just create 
a place that's uh, a little bit more uh, healthy for us, honestly. Like, you don't want to show up on social media um, and have it be filled with people who are making you feel bad. And while I do kind of subscribe to the belief that no one can make you feel a specific way, if you're working through things right now and if you're working through imposter syndrome and you you know that there's a certain creator or artist who you see who tends to like trigger those thoughts, like you got to cut that off. You have to set the boundary. Oh, great, great, great stuff. Uh, we should so really good. give you the opportunity to tell people where they can find more where this came from. Can you tell folks about uh, your website and about the Out to Be podcast? Yes. So you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie Zaccardi. Uh, my website is katiezaccardi.com. That has all the information about who I am, what I do, and how you can work with me and the podcast as well. So my podcast is called the Out to Be Podcast. I notice it's usually easiest to find it if you just Google or search my name instead of Out to Be. So feel free to just search Katie Zaccardi and you will find it. Um, but on the podcast, we talk about a lot of the things we talked about today, um, music industry and career strategy. If you are a musician, a music teacher, or a music coach, this is a hundred percent for you. We are talking about how to grow your strategy and make more money or implement a strategy so you can make more money. And of course, supplementing it with lots of mindset and wellness, uh, goodies so that you feel fully supported and you can create a sustainable music career without burnout. Love it. Again, that website is katiezaccardi.com. One last question before we let you go. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Uh, I know you asked this at the end of every episode, and <laughs> this time it feels so different from the last times I've been on. I think the biggest piece of advice I could give is to really just take time uh, this month, as we enter March to focus on yourself and, you know, on brand with what we our discussion today, like figure out what it is that you want in your life and in your career without the pressure. I don't mean like in your whole life, but just like what you're desiring right now. <laughs> that sounded really like big, <laughs> what you're desiring right now, uh, in the next few months and the, the, the environment and the energy that you want to create for yourself and see if you can just do that like personal development work and internal work because that is the work that is going to further your career. It's not just about strategy. Love it. Katie, this has been awesome. Please come back. When you do, you'll see 23 full-grown ducks in the camera, and I know you don't want to miss that. <laughs> uh, this has been a real treat. Thank you so much for coming on this week. Thank you for having me. Oh, I adore her. She's wonderful. Uh, every time I've you, had you, her... you look like you've like blown back like 50 feet by all of that. <laughs> I, I love listening to people that are that are so smart that can talk and words don't fail them and they make cohesive senses that it's not that she talked good, she talked good smart too, and I like her. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Wait, we need what was you can quote me on that. Don't you just run put it, it Put it on the lower third. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to make sure we get that right. Talk, uh, you, talk good, rewind, smart. Rewind. We want to make sure that's on the lower third so that Katie can yeah. write it down because she's going to want to put that on her website, like right on I'm the about sure. page for all the endorsements she has. That's book flap fodder right there. <laughs> they're, they're very good. Yes. Talk good smart. She does yeah. talk good smart. I can't dispute <laughs> that. That's a t shirt, is what that is. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's a band name. Oh, is that, sir? Is that, is, is talk, is, is that our first like inside joke of the, of the program? 
Can we like that's that's fabulous. Excuse me, keep putting it up there. I don't know what's more adorable, the duck camera or talk to good smart. Uh, she does indeed talk good smart, and uh, I'm glad you guys enjoyed her as much as I do. I I I really like talking to her every time she comes on the program. Before we close for this week, uh, I do want to mention that next week our guest is going to be Michael Renaud, the president of Hidden Pony Records and Management. We're going to talk to him about the future of recording agreements. Pretty important since the recorded music industry is burning all, down all around us. We should probably figure out how we might fix it. But before we sign off entirely, uh, do you guys watch the Golden Globes this weekend? We did. Oh, I did, did not. We? Tell we, me about yes, it. Yes, yes, did. yes, we did. Um, I, I don't know if you were around for it, but we 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 did. It, it was on the laptop while we were playing Wreckfest, I think. That was another thing that we've been playing lately. Um, it's It was interesting because they tried to do that thing and they pivoted and there were some things that went well. And I like the idea of like the sort of bi-coastal show with the two hosts and then they kind of come together and they did their monologues together. You put Amy Poehler and Tina Fey in a room together, just press record and just let them go and it's fine. Um, It's also great because it was the Golden Globes who are classically less buttoned up than the Oscars. So it's a good sort of first outing for a virtual show because you kind of expect the Golden Globes to be kind of a shit show. Um, <laughs> and so it's it, it's kind of like, okay, we, we, we know what this show is. Um, it, it, was, it was interesting because there was, they tried to do a lot of the stuff that they do at classic award shows with like some jokes that just do not sort of land or whatever and like some acceptance speeches didn't make it and people were muted and it's it's weird because it was it was awkward but it was the cool kind of like celebrities they're just like us exactly i mean he Leave really was weird, just like, like us like he was dressed like i dress you know how i'm currently dressed from the waist <laughs> down basically and you can't see it you wear a hoodie down there That's yes interesting right i like that the sleeves are the legs it's good it it was it it's it uh i can't wait to see what they do in response with the oscars Mm. the oscars is all buttoned up and and posh and ah, our zoom calls are i don't even know what i I don't know there's no joke here it's just gonna be boring if they don't try and make it funny well how do you do how did they do the monologue if they don't have laugh tracks like if there's no audience to laugh like how do you well, do comedy there when there's there no was laughing? an audience and i believe was it was an audience. an audience of um i think it was first responders in like distance kind of like round tables because okay. the golden globes is the one where i think it's like it, it comes with dinner and people sit around a dinner table oh yeah because they want to get everybody one instead good of a drunk. theater exactly yeah. mm-hmm. and that's why the golden globes are better because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're more relaxed it is a better um, show like yeah. It is a better show. I mean, the, the the Academy Awards are obviously more prestigious, but I I think year after year the Golden Globes are always the better viewing experience. You Hard know, agree. I mean, it's, it's especially because like what you know Amy Poehler and Tina Fey get away with, or uh, what Ricky Gervais gets away with in terms of content and how close they get to the edge. You know, you can't get away with that stuff at the Academy Awards, and so it does create for a, a better viewing experience. Um, I. I mean, I, I did see that one of the acceptance speeches, they were muted for part of it. That's kind of yeah. the first one. Yeah. The first one. <laughs> and then they were muted, and then you heard somebody very clearly say, oh, shit, he's muted. It was great. <laughs> the television. We've, we've reached the pinnacle of television. 
it but was if, great. But if, and, so, then, and then they went, to the, they went back to the host, and then they immediately went back to the person accepting the award because they wanted to let him give his speech. And I'm like, if they lean into this, yeah, things yeah, are broken and everything yeah, sucks just, right now. Yeah, like, it really it. worked, you know? Yeah. I don't think I think that's the first Golden Globes I've ever watched, so I'm all all on board. I mean, how were they muted? Year. That seems like such a, a rookie mistake. Were, was the was the program on Zoom? Like, were the speeches on yes. Zoom? Yes. yes, everybody accepting. Was everybody in a was piped. It looked like this, except were it it. It, everybody was on Zoom. Everybody was using their laptop webcams. Now there were some people who came correct. Anna Taylor Joy. Anna Taylor, I did um, see. Also, that. the entire Hudson Hawn uh, Russell clan, oh Hollywood royalty, just like posted up like in one, you know, in one Zoom camera, just like hello. No social distancing there. That's yeah. great. Uh, it's it, related. It, so so some of them had the like yes we know we're at an award show we're gonna set up lighting we're gonna, whatever and then some folks are you know just like hey I'm in, is it a hoodie? I'm in my living room just chilling but it's great but it's i just, like that kind of chaos it though. just seems weird to me that they would use zoom because this program which i'm i think has a less budget than the golden globes i'm i mean we'll have to get the numbers out to be sure <laughs> We don't even do this on Zoom. Like we've upgraded to like Zoom Plus with StreamYard, where like you at least get nice looking boxes, and you don't have to worry about people accidentally being muted because there can be somebody in the background to make sure you're not muted. Like they can at least rise to break the business level in terms of production quality. There is there, there was a sort of streaming complaint that's like it's March 2021. Like by <laughs> now, if you have a list of nominees. And you can send them some sort of a nice little package yeah. that I'm sure every company under the sun has put together some sort of like, you know, work from home expert thing that comes with like a webcam and a nice mic. A and Facebook a nice portal or something. Thing, like a little that, thing. Yeah. Um, but no. Now, <laughs> as, as, as someone who has produced shows, I'm, you know, you know, if I were producing the show, I would want to make sure that everybody had like the same exact setup to make sure that all the mics were nice and like all the audio quality, video quality was great. Um, especially because it, in this occasion, you had folks that were actually wearing like nice gowns and things to the show. Those things are probably still borrowed, just like any award show. You got to show the garment. It's got to look cute. Like, like this is important stuff. The viewer in me is like, if the idea is that you want to sort of break down some of the walls between celebrity and like the ideas that like authenticity and the more you can show authenticity, the more you can really connect to a person. That was great. So <laughs> <laughs> all award shows. It be. was broken. It was awesome. <laughs> Beautiful. So there you go. Uh, Commenter writes in to close us out. Are the Globes better than the non-existent podcast award show, The Potties? I, I wish very much that them were into a existence. thing. Like, the, it needs to exist if it doesn't. Uh, guys, thank you so much, as always. Our thanks to all the listeners and viewers. Uh, let's keep this... Oh, gosh. And our let's thanks the to ducks. the Ducks yes. on the Duck One cam. more check-in. One more with the checking with the Ducks. Oh, yeah. Duck now they're Island. asleep, of course, because we're done for the day. Um while, while you all admire the Ducks, let me say you can please subscribe to Break the Business on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Follow Evan at Evan Land Guitar. Follow Elisa at Elisa Rock Doc. It, oh, God, they're just so cute. I can't focus. All right, we're out of here. Thank you all so much for listening slash watching. We'll see you next week on Break the Business. Bye-bye.